Hello and welcome to We Don't Talk About The Weather, political discussion from the outside may look like screaming and crying. I'm Adam and this is Hugh. Hello. And we're here to talk news and politics. Uh, technically we're back after a bit of a break because we actually recorded our last episode like a few weeks ago but yeah. like shit got in the way. and Yeah, holiday. All well not holiday, not like we're not holiday but Easter holiday. Easter holidays, um, yeah. You know, got to celebrate the resurrection of the bunny of Chuck Ramuna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Look at how good he's doing in the polls. What WrestleMania sank into a deep depression? Oh, <laughs> it wasn't that bad. It was better than it had been in previous years. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But that just, that's really not saying much when you're watching something for seven and a half hours. Mm. Mm-hmm. I could have watched happily watched three hours of that and not done it. It's the things we do for our grapple arts. Yeah, the only. The best thing in that, well, the the Kofi thing was good. That mm. was really good. That was my, I think that was my best. That was the best moment. Was Kofi the, uh, Kingston, yeah, yeah. Won, won the championship. Didn't um, it? The ending with um, Becky, she deserved more than that. And I enjoyed watching um, Batista's nose ring get pulled out by a pair of these nose pliers <laughs> by an old motorhead fan. <laughs> it's pretty great. Wait, this was 2019. You weren't <laughs> just watching ECW. <laughs> 1995 ECW. But yeah, we're back now. Yeah. Um, um, and so was Parliament and the Tigs. Yeah, it was a blessed Easter weekend actually, because like, for some reason, either I was not focused on keeping up with news and, mm-hmm. and reading and everything like that, and so it seemed a lot better than it was. Mm-hmm. And then I went back to work today. Uh, today is Tuesday after the bank holiday Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went back to work and. It was like everyone's announcing their European election candidates. Yeah. Everyone's digging into their backgrounds. Uh, Notre Dame was on fire. <laughs> was on fire over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, what else happened today? So, like so much. Yeah, there's been a lot. Um, well, yeah, there's um, Extinction Rebellion happens. Well, it's still going on now, which we'll be talking about later. Um, it's like looking at looking back at the last. It was like, what did we cover when I was looking like writing up the like tweet yeah. to announce the last episode? It was like, what did we cover last episode? Because I know we covered the empire, and then we covered. Oh yeah, do you remember when everyone like the army was doing target practice shooting at the leader of the opposition? Yeah. Do you remember how that was a scandal that morning? Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It's, it's it's too much. Well, everyone's I can't moved keep on. Up with everyone's it. moved on now. Brendan O'Neill has moved on to attacking the cadence of the speech of an uh, autistic Swedish child who's speaking in a second language. <laughs> That's the thing now. <laughs> Old, reliable Brendan. Yeah, I love that. I, Completely I he, reliable. I feel like he took longer than normal to get... Maybe he he was off over... He a, was probably off over Easter as well. Yeah, yeah. Planting like... flowers upside down. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like... <laughs> Making cats chase dogs. <laughs> because that's what he does now. He's the backwards man. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah, I could see Brendan and forcing cats to chase dogs. <laughs> But yeah, um, yeah, Tigs have been funny. Yeah, so uh, we wanted to talk about the, the European elections mm-hmm. uh, are at the end of May, May mm-hmm. 23rd, I believe. And uh, all the parties are announcing their candidates. Mm. This is a slightly more important European election than you might, uh, than than we might, before, than we might previously have had. I'm not entirely sure why, but the news keeps telling me that it's very, very important uh, because, because people, people are, are thinking about the EU again. Yeah. You know, but there's a lot of smaller parties uh, participating this time. Um, yeah. We've got uh, the Brexit Party, mm-hmm. which is Nigel Farage's new vehicle, mm-hmm. um, which appears to be leading in the kind of early polling. It was le- leading in a poll that he com- he commissioned. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Oh, there we go. Um, um, because they've even—I don't think they've announced how many places they're standing in, so I don't know how they could be leading. But you know, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's so the European elections are done on a closed list system. So mm. you vote for a party. That that party has a list mm-hmm. of MPs ranked in kind of priority order. Mm-hmm. If they get like, say, they have ten MEPs for the whole territory. If they win like thirty percent, they'll get three MEPs. Yeah. And it'll be the first three MEPs mm-hmm. on that list. So technically, you could just do polls on the party and not on the individuals in it, which is probably good because they've some hilarious. Oh, good lord! Um, yeah, I don't know. What, I don't, um, I Brexit seen... party. I haven't seen many of them. The, the main one I saw today that was announced was Claire Fox. Mm-hmm. Now you may remember noted communist our... Claire Fox. Oh, it was so good. So Claire Fox. Uh, we Hang probably on. did. How dare you? You're going to insinuate now that Claire Fox, who let me tell you, was a member of the Revolutionary Communist Party. Let me say that again. <laughs> Revolutionary, it's in the name. It is in the name. Communist. Yep. 
Yeah? yeah. So she was announced today as standing for the Brexit party. Um, we did an episode on living Marxism last year, uh, which we probably mentioned her in. She is a is and has been a leading kind of member of that living Marxism spiked uh, I think it's, you're gonna network make some, kind make of thing. some accusations and you're going to insinuate now that she isn't on the left. And I'll have you know that any time there's a dinner party racist dinner party, she is sitting to the left of the table. <laughs> Agreeing with everything they say. <laughs> she's... Um, She's one of the more prominent ones because she founded the Institute of Ideas, mm-hmm. which then hosts that Battle of Ideas mm-hmm. every year, where yep. they kind of they kind of pack the they, they pack all the leading lights and all the leading like, it's like robot wars public but with more men somehow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she's, uh, as far as the party line is concerned, is very, uh, very pro Brexit. Brexit, as mm. is Spike Magazine, which also declared its, uh, its uh, declared its, its support for the for, Brexit party. For Brexit and again, and it's, it's a, declared its support for Brexit, climate change, and against children. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that, I mean, that's the weird thing. It's that while all of their positions are contrary. There is a certain spirit animating it, and whether you think it's just because they went after the money yeah. from like GMO companies or uh, like energy companies, things like that, and right wing <laughs> networks of shady right wing billionaires, hmm. whether you think that has anything to do with it, <laughs> couldn't possibly say. They do have this like animating principle of like we must advance science and technology as far and as unethically as possible <laughs> in order to do it, and if we have to like support some weird positions will happily do that so she's quite useful in weirdo dystopia 2019 yeah she's um yeah she's a bit uh, yeah but but it was it was galloway as well wasn't it uh, so yeah galloway while he's not standing for them did announce that because he wants he's not standing for them he did announce on twitter that he's going to um uh support them because they need they're the only ones who can deliver the democratically mandated brexit that he voted for and it's like, so, right. Is now, he going to be door knocking for them? Because wherever he's door knocking, someone should be handing out leaflets warning about the dangerous man in the area, to be fair. <laughs> There's been a man in a hat. There's a man in a hat. It's either Vince reputation. Cable or it's George Galloway. Yeah, they're both. Either way. <laughs> either way, you lock up your daughters. <laughs> um, someone needs to take him aside and have a word about the fact that for all of his anti-imperialism that has kind of devolved into this strange personality cult of being the right person in the room all the time um Mm. you know that like faragian conservatism while he might associate with a few like paleo conservatives is largely the tory party yeah like everyone any anyone anyone who's like who, who who is professional enough to manage to be around farage and be like a proper political figure without going Mm. into kind of goofball territory Mm is going to be on the side of bombings. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter to him, does it? Doesn't, it? It no, doesn't, doesn't care. I couldn't possibly vote for Lord Adonis, for instance, for Labour, yeah. but I can vote for Nigel Farage. It's like, don't vote for either of them. No yeah. one asked. No. No I one asked. And that's for, yeah, Labour get <laughs> Adonis. And there was another one today who was saying that it was one of their candidates, there's a Labour candidate as well today who's anti-Semitic, um, which, you know, well done, another one. But it's like, it seems that there's no control over who gets to stand as an MEP in um, the Labour Party. Because I'm not got... even sure how they choose it, to be honest. Like, um, I, I think at random. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I think there they is there, there is some there must be there must be some party there mechanism because be. they have to be ranked on a on a yeah. on a list. They have to be ranked as to, like Adonis in the uh, Andrew Adonis in the he's standing in the southwest constituency. He's like second on the list. So there's uh, southwest yeah. is quite Remain, um, quite pro EU. So the, he's going to be quite, he's quite high up on the list. So he's probably going to be mm. an MP and therefore he won't be Lord Adonis anymore. That'd be the first election he's won. Hey, but I'm... Yeah, and he, and he had to be on a fucking list. Yeah. It's fucking unbearable. <laughs> but yeah, so Labour Party on. Um, great. So, uh, yeah, uh, they've, got, they've got that. Remain aren't... Re- <sighs> Remain still can't seem to get any kind of coherent like position... Or party that they want to 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 vote for. I oh, know they're all arguing about who's the Remain party. Who is the Remain party? The Lib Dems don't think any, don't, they think it's them. Tigs it, think it's them. It's absolutely staggering because it's like 
there was a an interview with uh, Femi Okawale of mm. um, was it our our future our choice our future our choice yeah and uh, he said what does he say um, he was definitely worried Nigel Farage will win elections. Uh, he said that Nigel Farage has been the face of the UK for five years in the EU and suggested that an additional five years would damage relationships between the UK and EU. He said if he wins again, he will be the face of the UK for a consecutive ten years. One could argue that if we do that to the EU after Nigel Farage has done to the what after what Nigel Farage has done to this country, we wouldn't even deserve to be members of the European Union. They won. Yeah. He won. Yeah. Like, look. You can reverse Brexit. Mm. There's loads of stuff you could do. Mm. I mean, you haven't done it. You haven't won hearts and minds. You haven't even kind of sneakily gone around the back and tried like some kind of legal sanction. Mm. You've done nothing. He won. Saying that, oh, well, the EU, that, like, the EU would be within their rights to slack us off. Mm. It doesn't matter. They, they've already done it. It's, this, it's the... this absolute unwillingness to accept the reality of the fact that, yeah, he has been the face of the UK. Mm. He's been the dissident politician mm. within the UK, probably until Corbyn and mm. probably still afterwards a, mm-hmm. a bit. Um, he's been the face of like the reactionary dissidents in this country. And he was the face of the Leave campaign and he won. Mm. He won the fucking campaign. It, like, I'm not going like, to get into like how the referendum should be refought or anything like that, heavy, but like he did win. There's a heavy amount of like British centrism, um, British centric thought there as well. Like, Farage isn't the worst person in the EU Parliament. No, no. He's really not. He's probably the worst one who speaks English. <laughs> but Even that. Like... Yeah. yeah, there's like some proper monsters. In it. It's like if the, if the EU... Were Neil Kinnock start... speaks English. <laughs> Technically. If the, if the EU were going to be kicking people, like, kicking people out for anymore. being so horrible, there's a couple of other countries there which actually... They're, they're like, you know, Farage wishes he was as, as successful as Orban at being a monster. Um... <laughs> But yeah, this um, well, Femi has he's won some people over. I'm sure he convinced some people over to remain when he pointed out that you know Fortress Europe. But <laughs> um, he was like, "But we can drown them all, <laughs> <laughs> where we could do it ourselves." Yeah, <laughs> make do and mend, blitz spirit, and so on. Um, yeah, the final thing about the European elections is so today uh, the Change UK, the Independent Group. Mm-hmm. What a great fuck! It just trips off your tongue. It does. Um, announced their raft of candidates and their new symbol because their first symbol got denied by the election commission because it said it was it was said to be misleading. Really? Yeah, because it said hashtag change politics. Oh yeah, you're not allowed a web address. That is true, actually. I I do some stuff with advertising law, and yeah, they're like, no, you can't have that. They're like, oh, fine, okay, we'll work as our girls. And then they came up with a thing that either looked like their party were on the side of a redacted document (laughs) or a Tesco value bag. (laughs) Everything. I'm I'm fascinated by like the cuttigs still because they've done absolutely nothing. How dare you? They have like. Plummeted in all the polls. <laughs> okay, that's technically do. Well, to be fair, you could do nothing and do that. They went over to America to explain to um to Nancy Pelosi how oh, no. to deal with an no. insurgent. No, Nancy Pelosi came over here. Did she? Didn't yes. They didn't go, got sent no, over? I oh, think no. she came over here and said, "Tell me about anti-Semitism in the Labour Party, Bernie." Like that kind of thing. It was yeah. clearly, or it was a um, Ilan Omar. Yeah, yeah, she they was, was aiming yeah, they'll complain about Ilan Omar. Um, what's fascinating about them is that they do exactly everything that everybody said they would, mm-hmm. and the things that people were already making jokes about before they even announced that they were leaving the Labour Party, mm-hmm. like the terrible corporate logo mm-hmm. with the lettering that's slightly off center. Are you telling me that you read? It's like a tulpa for left Twitter. Are you telling me you commissioned that logo and had it made off center on purpose? Because left Twitter is not only fairly aesthetically versed, but also sticklers for detail <laughs> to an obsessive degree. Yeah. Um, yeah oh, God, they are. They um, are. Some of the candidates. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's, okay, so first off, actually, there's... Yeah, um, I've got three just, candidates in mind, well, particularly. Be- before we go into those specific candidates... Um, as of now, at like half eight, a third one has been exposed to be a racist. <laughs> um, and what? When did their name? There was that guy with the bo- There was that guy with the boxing avatar <clears throat> who somebody who said, literally did a, a search and just said all of them is just searching their twitters. Yeah. like him. It was like he's like, oh, Romanian. All pit pockets are Romanians. Yeah. Um, then there was maybe I will vote Brexit. Then there was maybe um, I will vote Brexit. <laughs> 
change so that the remainder. Nora Mulready. Oh, Nora Mulready. Um, she's uh, um, yeah, who's like who's against the Me Too movement because she thinks it criticizes men. Um, <laughs> and then there was another one just now who like pictures of her with Harry Waters complaining about Sharia law. It's so good. Also, with regards to like you know on brand messaging, that one of their MEP candidates for Wales. He said that he'd maybe vote for Remain. <laughs> That's the great thing. This was the animating principle. It was anti-Semitism, which you can't get far on if you're if you're looking just at the like away from the moral, yeah, like the ethical like, the ethical dimension of it. If you're looking at a vote winner, mm-hmm. like it, it's just not. That's the the plain fact of that. Like yeah. talking, like either side of it is not a great motivator. It's in fact yeah. a huge demotivator. Yeah. Um, but that thing that they campaigned on was that they were the Remain candidates where Labour were the equivocators. Mm. They've equivocated more in the last couple of months. They've only been t- they've only been a movement for two months. I think you'll find that Hyde, they have they, they were, left they've two been, months ago. They've been unequivocal in their support for the Prime Minister. <laughs> <laughs> they said that they would vote with the Prime Minister. Yeah, they said they no would confidence. in any no confidence vote in Parliament they would vote with the Prime Minister. It's like you, you're doing Don't this on the purpose. It's you're just doing the it on up. purpose because this is literally what Trevor Bastard and all of those people were making jokes about. Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay, so who are the three candidates um, you wanted to? So because um, Dick Dawkins didn't get choose, didn't get chosen. Yeah, so they had over apparently over three thousand candidates that uh, the uh, who volunteered, mm. including uh, Richard Dawkins. Mm. Um, and we've who, seen the quality of and, uh, some James, of the ones that James got James Ball as well, apparently, who went on a huge uh, tweet-deleting... Um, yeah, there were rumours rumors that, he'd, that he'd applied. Yeah. Um, I quite like the idea that Dawkins and Ball applied, were denied, but those three racists were given up, <laughs> given the job. It's because, um, because they're cut of their cultural liberalism, they assumed Dawkins and Ball as a double act were some kind of racist northern stand-up. <laughs> they just assumed. Dawkins yeah, and Ball at the Palladium. Yeah, I could see them. You could see them. They'd be like what, three times on Monday, three times on Saturdays, four times on Sundays. Forming at Blackpool Pier. Yeah, that's not a slur against Blackpool. The Blackpool, uh, those the most racial slurs I've heard walking down the street in Blackpool. <laughs> and you're white. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've, t- I've told it like I'm when I went there with my my wife and my daughter, and we were out of the hotel for less than five minutes before someone shouted at my daughter and called her a cunt. <laughs> it's like being at home. It is kind of it's like, like being, being, in being in Medway. Yeah, yeah. this bit. <laughs> I'm not saying I wholly disliked Blackpool. <laughs> okay, who are the three candidates that you that jumped out at you? So uh, the the main ones are they've got Gavin Esler. Oh, yeah. Who you may remember, I remember from. I want to say he was on New from South East or London News, like Sound when like. I was a kid. Yeah, um, he's written. He did the whole thing of retiring from news and doing a couple of books. I've actually got one because I got it in a pouch shop, <laughs> um, and tried all that. And now he's uh, he's signed up. I saw a thing he said about how they've taken our patriotism and I want it back. Yeah, he, he did the th- he did again. He did. He had a a bit in the Guardian or Telegraph today, uh, and some kind of like interview where he was saying. My 40-year-old working-class friend says that he voted leave and that Farage and all those other plastic patriots... And it's like, oh. are you seriously, are you fucking trying to... Are you trying to write the satire before it's written? Mm. It's crazy. Mm. Um, you have Rachel Johnson, <clears throat> editor, former editor, I think, of The Lady... Hmm. Uh, and Boris Johnson's sister. Yeah, I think I think Stanley Stanley Johnson tried to get um, a position with them as well. Really? Because he huh. was talking about running, doing it again. But maybe he decided. Man, not doesn't to look like he can time. run anywhere. I tell you that. There is that. But, um, um, yeah. So Rachel Johnson's doing it because yeah. she's very remain. Yeah, she is. Um, in that kind of, it, it's an exact, it's an exact mirror position hmm. because it was the kind of. Each side categorizes themselves as the elites, mm. and then only elect elites to beat those other elites. Yep. it's fucking crazy. Um, the big one was that everyone on Twitter was going mad about was Francis Yeatman, who no, if don't talk about if you're if you're like not extremely online, she doesn't exist. Um, she didn't she, exist. She never existed. It, it's, she was literally birthed from the minds of left Twitter. She didn't exist beforehand. But that's what I mean. Yeah, left Twitter tulpa. I know it's got too much. All power. of it is it needs to be all banned. Yeah, 
We should yeah, all stop posting. Yeah, I think we, we did. Us. I think we did an episode about her ages ago. We um, did, yeah. She, yeah, she was a a, a failing Newcastle councillor who was going to lose her job, who then quit, pretended it was to do with anti-Semitism, went on a long stuck thing about being an anti-racist campaigner, got laughed at for ages, and then joined the Tigs. In the same way that left Twitter made Mike Gapes join Tig. <laughs> I think, like, the final thing I want to say about, like, that list of candidates is... Obviously, there are some... There are plenty of unknowns. There are hundreds you know, hundreds of candidates mm. in that. The main ones, and you've got to think from their point of view that they're putting them forward to grab some headlines. No one grabs some headlines, like Francis Yeatman, yeah. this person who is known by 20 people on her LinkedIn mm. and 400 people on left Twitter, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, You could literally mention her name to anybody and no one would know who it is. Yeah. It's very interesting that their headline grabbers are... We live in a time when populism is very discussed, when politics is framed around an elite versus a left-behind rump, Mm. middle-class, working-class, however your particular political philosophy categorises them. It's categorising them into those two, two lumps. These parties in particular, Brexit and Cucktig, have been on the forefront of talking in those terms, of describing politics in those terms. Mm. Their solution to, like, the liberal elite versus the left-behinds is to appoint a load of the liberal elite. Mm -hmm. By any stretch of the imagination, the headline grabbers on all of these slates are the absolute epitome of liberal elite. Claire Fox, who's been in institutes and been a, a... I wouldn't say liberal, but uh, uh, she's been in, within the orbit of liberal journalism for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Gavin Esler, mm. former BBC anchor. Yeah. Rachel Johnson, editor of, like, she's worked for The Spectator and The Lady and all that kind of stuff. Francis Yeatman, who's, like, written for The New Statesman and written an economics book, and that's it. Mm. And is mainly known for baiting people on Twitter. Yeah. It's all very, like, not very conscious of living in the world that you keep describing. There's no yeah. follow-through between the way that they view politics mm. and the actions that they that they do. It's, yeah. it's, it's a really, really strange... Well, I'm surprised they didn't go with the main headlining get, like, the, for the cucktakes, was that the album OK Computer running for them. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a weird situation to be in. Yeah. So, on to our main topic now. If you've been around London for the last week or so, you've probably been waylaid by dirty hippies. <laughs> and by dirty hippies, I mean just, well, there's a lot of white people. Yeah. Um, ex- ex- a really large amount of white people, to be fair. Um, but yeah, Extinction Rebellion are in town. They're doing their big thing. Apparently, they've been planning it for quite a while, mm-hmm. this. Um, and they take they took... Octoturkus, the middle, mm-hmm. and they took Waterloo Bridge. That was it. There were, I think, there were a couple of other locations, but I can't actually think where they were now. But those are the main ones. Those They're, were the main ones that got a lot ones. of media attention. Um, and immediately when they took them over, I imagine it caused an extreme amount of traffic. Um, when I went to see it on Friday, there was no real traffic because they'd just been, you know, diverted the roads. Yeah, oh, the Marble for... Archer as well. That's oh yes, of course. Yeah. Um, they'd been there for four days at that point. Yeah. The, the, the traffic people had worked yeah. out how to arrange them. So I came, I like work near Oxford Circus and I come through that station every day. Mm-hmm. So I had seen them from uh, the morning that they, mm. they came in. Um, and it was the, the big pink, big pink boat mm-hmm. in the middle of Oxford Circus. The no traffic. Boat. It was, uh, it was, it was actually, it's, it's always really nice to see, um, people reclaiming public space mm-hmm. and, it made Oxford Circus infinitely better. It was by far Always. the best, uh, like advert for pedestrianisation yeah. of those it's, kind it's of areas. Nice. That area is so much nicer when it's pedestrianised. Yeah. It's so nice. And um, the first, the first few days, uh, not many police. Um, they were doing that thing where they were gathered in twos near mm-hmm. tube entrances and uh, on the corners, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, as I went past every day, like went back and forth every day, there were progressively more. And I would say it was about Wednesday Hmm. when, uh, I noticed that there was a kind of change in the way that the police were looking Mm -hmm. 
the way that they were kind of grumbling to each other and also their proximity to the actual kind of blocked off space mm -hmm. in the middle. They were still standing in twos, but they were kind of in the middle of the protesters. Mm -hmm. I obviously wasn't in, didn't go through that area on like Friday and Saturday, but uh, I understand there were increasing like rings of police mm -hmm. um, put there to kind of kettle them and... and they haven't killed them at all. Move along. No, no, no. But like, it did look. It was. It was a barrier of hives. Um, yeah, in, in er around. well, the only places they've done, they did barriers of. Is like they did it around the stage mm. uh, in Marble Arch for a bit. Yeah, but um, they haven't really done anything to like stop them. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, to be fair, there were an, a lot of arrests. So, uh, oh yeah, the at arrests. the time we're speaking, I think there were just over a thousand arrests. Yeah, over the week. Um, and you know, okay. So the main thing with Extinction Rebellion is that they're very nice about the police. Yeah, and, they have a specific and, code that you know, they, and strategy listened, that they've been working to. And if you've listened to our pod, you'll know that we're very much in favour of that and think that they're doing the right thing. Yeah. So congratulations. The only way you'll get any change in this country is, it is if you get is the if you just respect side first. It is. Yeah. It is. So yeah. So that's the end of the episode. Um, <laughs> no. You know um, the song "Respects the Police." Yes. <laughs> um, so okay. First thing, Extinction Rebellion, mm -hmm. they are angry about the right thing. Yeah. Um, with regards to climate change, it is important. Um, they're trying to s sort of steal and the, equating, the media equating them with the school protests, mm. I find gross. Mm. Because it's not. No. It's not the same. I mean, it, it's, it's one of those things of like, protest movements especially when they're not organised around... Like, they're organised around political principles, these, these the climate change protests, but the history of climate change protests have always been much more associated with, like, anarchists mm -hmm. and things like that, like ALF and uh, Earth First and, mm -hmm. and those, kind of, those kind of people, which tended to have a, a, a much flatter organising principle. Mm -hmm. And so you could have other groups with the same aims kind of being in the same place at the same time towards a, a, a similar end. But yeah, they're not the same thing. Extinction Rebellion have like a, a core of strategy, mainly centred around that guy, um, Roger Hallam, mm -hmm. don't they? Yeah. Um, with with stated aims and stated like rules of conduct for, yeah, their, so, uh, like, for their protest. I think we talked about, I think we talked about them a while ago. Um, it was briefly, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah because um, there's a couple of things that, Roger Hallam thinks that because he's got he did his PhD in like rebellion, mm. which you know, it sounds a bit gawkery, like a PhD <laughs> in terror, but um, oh Sebastian Gorka, yeah, yeah. Um, but like they they've got like some of the things like um his like little bits that I've lifted off their website. Oh, you meant the website Gorka? Fucking <laughs> idiot. Um, what? So this um, means exactly so, like, the same thing. Lifting yeah. stuff off their website, um, it's like. Um, so, is there an, an Extinction Rebellion legal strategy? Yes. The strategy is to tell the truth about the climate and ecological emergency. Magistrates and jurors are human beings. That's not a strategy. No, it's not. It's really not a strategy. Um, but, okay, so their explicit strategy is that they're going to go there and be in these places and be polite, and but disobey the government and the police and be arrested. Hmm. There are, lots of them will be arrested. They will fill up the prisons. The police because of the hollowing out of the neoliberal state, will not be able to carry on doing this because the government won't have enough money. That's not true. No, I know. Um, and eventually the police will go to the government and say, look, you need to give them what they want. Um, bearing in mind that what they want is a citizens' assembly mm -hmm. of, so I think it was like a couple hundred random British citizens okay. who are then told the truth about climate and then come up with a policy of what to do. Now, here's the, the problem with that. Yeah. I could get you 200 people right now, tell them the truth about <clears> climate, <throat> and do you know what they'll say? It'll be exactly like it is now, where loads of them will say, yeah, but you know. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I, I do listen to the radio and I hear the people who, because it it's not like the truth hasn't been told. I think, like... Which is, it's like, that's a fundamental issue with when he gets to that point. But also, the fact that what will happen is, first off, that the, the, the police will run out of jail space. No, they won't. That the police will get tired of arresting people. No, they won't. Mm. That the police will go to the government and say, oh, no, we can't do this anymore. They won't. That the government will run out of money for policing. Of course they won't. 
Look, they were saying like, oh, look, they're going to come on um, Thursday night because then it's bank holiday and there's going to be less cops. That's 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 crazy. Yeah, it's when police it's so, have a large event. It's so naive, painful. But it's naive. naive to to the point of uh, uh, actually like kind of dangerous. Like I, I get that. Like I do think that getting getting the word out and actually bringing things to a point because I actually think that that like the 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 kind of warnings about climate change have gotten a lot worse and i actually do think that there's probably more people taking that on board than perhaps there were in past decades there's a very strong um there's a very strong polarization right now in that climate skeptics are they're still invited onto media but i feel like it's much more isolating as a social category mm. there's much more agreement that it's a very much an emergency situation that we're dealing with existential crisis here mm. and now i know that the political system is not that cannot deal with existential crises and i know that people often seem like they can't deal with existential crises but i think they're more receptive to various different reforms about the, as the natural kind of environment around people has declined i think people have noticed for example um air pollution mm -hmm. i think people have noticed that uh, the the air quality has declined, that there's outright dangerous levels of air pollution at the moment, and that people are dying, children are dying because of it. It's mm. not that if we don't do something, children will die, it's no one's doing anything and children won't die. Now, there's not a focus to that, and Extinction Rebellion, what they have brought to their credit is kind of a, a slight lowering of the, of the barrier to participation. I, I know they haven't stated that, but there is a slight lowering of the barrier of participation. If you, if there is a protest that's going and they're saying we are actively going to confront the police, that will deter people from tur turning up. Okay, here's, which is fair. Here's the problem with their yeah. entire thing. Yeah, it is they haven't lowered the barrier at all because first off, the only people the, to go there, you mm -hmm. have to be ready to be arrested. Yeah, sure. That's literally sure. the whole thing. Yeah. So if you're disabled, no. If you're black, no. Yeah. If you're mentally ill in any way, no, no, no. If you need to work, yeah, then yeah. no, you can never go there. Also, then you've got the whole thing of one of the main kinds of people that I've seen there are people who are very, they're, they're going there for the, very, for the right reasons. It's a very important thing to do. But you know what? There's going to be a whole bunch of people with criminal records that, have been, that they've got and they're going to achieve nothing. But that's going to be with them forever. Yeah, yeah. And it's going to be for Roger Hallam's weird idea... That eventually the police get tired of arresting. Um, <laughs> as if, as if the, the police it's, haven't. It's not lowered the barrier for entry. It's explicitly said you have to be. No, you I, have to be financially secure. No, no, no. Because white, I'm not talking about. No, you're 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 absolutely right. Mm. Right. The major problem with that is how is how isolating it is of other different campaigns mm. that could be involved in that kind of thing. Um, I do think it lowers the barrier of participation because no one's saying that they had to stay there all the time. There will be a hardcore of people who stay there all the time. No one is saying that, like, other... Let's talk in proper terms. White middle-class people mm. can turn up and stay there for a day and go away. Well, there are lots of people who are Do you know what that. I mean? That's of, what I mean by lowering the barrier of participation. But those people, I saw, I saw them. They were like um, people going for a little day trip to go skating on the little weird little half-pipe they built. Yeah. Which is nice, but that isn't a protest. It's a very... No, no, but, it, but that, that, that is a model that was established in like the 90s and then was continued with Occupy. Mm. Um, for you know all the success that that brought. Mm. Um, there's a weird... Uh, so I went past it a number of times and... It has exactly the kind of aesthetic you would think it had. It would have a lot of rat tails, a mm. lot of lot of uh, out of work artists, <laughs> um, out of work actors. I don't know. About um, that. I don't know about that. But I saw, um, my daughter got was furious when she saw a white guy in dreadlocks call a police officer over to ask him a question. <laughs> because that's the thing as well. Um, there were police officers. There were. There were police officers in uniform, and there were police officers um, who I, I there were people who I think were probably police officers not in uniform. I assume they were because they were men of a certain age taking pictures specifically of faces. Yeah. Um, so either maybe they were with one of those uh, right wing groups. Yeah. But um, 
the amount of willingness to have cops in that in that environment has meant that it's an intensely unsafe space. Yes. Um, there was there was a report. Uh, I say a report. There was someone on Twitter was saying um, some extinction rebellion people got the got police involved, accusing a couple of young men of pickpocketing. They've now been searched by the police, who found nothing. Now the police are doing an immigration check on them. Jesus Potential de- deportation for some for a worse than petty theft. I told them they didn't need to. Um, give details um, to the cops but it was too late some Extinction Rebellion guy pulled me to one side and argued that it was justified I was like some valuables versus potential deportation are you kidding he wouldn't budge the cops found nothing Um, it's this nasty it's this nasty shit beneath the surface level niceness that the whole left has been warning about sort your shit out Um, some other guy came to help speaking another language to the two guys surrounding the cops and the cops asked the bystander what his immigration status was to and that's one of the issues when you have a a protest movement that is like that. Mm. <laughs> when there, you have quite so many nice middle class ones. It's like why yeah, Suzanne yeah. Moore's on their side. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean like 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 it's it's I was kind of cuz I've kind of gone I haven't gone back and forth cuz I've been obviously been aware of like the failings and mm. the the bad stuff of that movement and I think it's like it's reflect the lack of antagonism towards cops and towards the carceral state entirely in fact their plan relying on the carceral state mm. doing what it does um in the in the short term that kind of thing doesn't have a long shelf life you cannot keep going and getting arrested people will drift away from that specific mm. movement they will still hold the beliefs they hold but they will not go out and actually do the thing mm. that uh, that that they were doing and you know it was a it wasn't an industrial protest it wasn't blockading like um oil refineries or anything like that it was a symbolic thing which has its value in a certain way and again nonviolent protests explicitly nonviolent protests have their place they are one string in a whole range of different tactics that protest movements can use but that lack of antagonism is really reflected in a not appreciating the met as the huge protest busting union busting riot busting force that it is Mm -hmm. for instance they say they can't arrest everybody it's like yeah you don't have to arrest everybody you can arrest everybody you can arrest a load of people let them go and keep churning until you get someone who you want to make an example out of Mm. and that's demoralizing in a movement and it's intended to demoralize Mm. it's something you're going to have to deal with but it's that's the whole thing and then in a larger sense the lack of antagonism in the way that they phrased a lot of their stuff one of their key things in the early days was talking about like using this word when they were talking about the government's reaction to dealing with climate change and they said their reaction has been woeful Mm. and it just really like leapt out at me it's like no their reaction has not been well it has been woeful but Mm. that's not the word to describe it woeful is trying to do something and And failing the government, like the history of Western civilization over the past hundred years, has been petrochemical. Mm-hmm. It's been entirely based on fossil fuels. You're asking people to abandon the very thing that ensures the power of the most powerful people on this planet, mm. who have ever existed on this planet, mm-hmm. the richest, the most powerful, frankly, when it comes down to it, the most ruthless. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very strange way of, of putting it across. You there's know? an element of the the naivety of the speaking truth to power thing, um, thinking that, like, it's the, the whole thing of their mantra of um, yeah. tell the truth. And it's like, I think know. To, to their credit, do like, think, think, to their like, credit, the optics have been good. The optics have been excellent. Because I, I have, I, all the, I've heard the, on the, the radio the, is people the, discussing how annoying they are. There's what, not been station, any what station are you listening to, Hugh? I was listening to BBC and LBC. Were you listening to BBC? Yes, I was you were BBC. listening to BBC Radio. Okay. I was what program? Don't... What should you, you? I was listening to Radio Four. Right. I was listening to LBC. I'm just saying that you, <laughs> if you just listen to LBC, let's say you'll get a certain cross section of yeah, the population. Maybe a biased to, sample. I wasn't just listen to LBC, but um, I was listening to Five Live as well. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to that Galloway one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Julie Hartley Brewer threatening to kill them. Yeah, that was the other thing as well, actually, that really made me smile. The um, the usual suspects getting pissed off mm-hmm. was incredible to watch. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it, it that climate protesters 
because of the whole kind of like hippie aesthetic mm. or, or crusty aesthetic, have always made the people who are most likely to oppose them murderously angry. And mm. this was no exception. Julia Hartley Brewer was talking about, well, if I wanted to come through in my car, as I am legally allowed to do, <laughs> wouldn't I be... And it's like, are you, are, you, are you saying that it would be legally okay for you to run down some people in your car? Yeah. But of course, we all know what she's talking about. She's yeah. speaking to the kind of attitude that came up in the 80s and 90s that the radicals of the 60s, like the way that they, like protest movements were kind of caricatured. Mm. Um, like what that says about the legitimacy of their kind of demands that they were the, they, that quite often they were called like an elite. Protesters mm. were an elite. They people who could afford to do mm. stuff. They were um, lazy. They weren't, mm. they weren't up to the standards of the go-go 90s. Mm. And of course the implicit uh, idea that the radicalism of the 60s caused the crises of the 70s, mm. which of course in neoliberal canon and capitalist canon is the worst thing that can possibly ever happen. Mm-hmm. You know, three-day week, oil oil yeah. prices, all that kind of stuff. It's the, it's the absolute Armageddon worst thing that can ever happen and must never be repeated. And they always kind of draw back 60s radicals and hippies and kind of associate them, like guilt by association yeah. with yeah. them. There's um, one of the... Uh, so, like... They've wound up the left a lot as well. It's like as well as the normal as like as well as like Brendan O'Neill and Julia Hartley Brewer and that lot. Yeah. Um the police loving and to be honest, this the the way I've seen them interact with the police has made me feel quite ill. Yes. Um especially the moment to moment has been uh, the, the, the consequences of that particular strategy has been um ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been ridiculous. Um, especially, like, we're coming up to the opposite. Um, I think it was, like, today was, like, an anniversary of Blair Peach being killed by six coppers. Yeah, it was um, Stephen Lawrence's anniversary as well. Yeah. Um, you know, so, like, the and the police have a certain relationship. Well, actually, you could call it a relationship. In a lot of cases, it was a sexual relationship with um, <laughs> with climate um, protesters. Um, it, it, and it has been specifically climate change protesters. Yeah. The, the the number of environmental groups that were specifically targeted. Yeah. Animal rights and, and um, environmental ones. Which yeah. again tells you a deeper truth about like the the nature of, mm. of this challenge that environmental activists have. All of us have. It's not yeah. just environmental. Like we are, we all really should be environmental activists. It's, yeah. It's really fucking important. And it was a a half decent critique that uh, you know. <sighs> that the left has not formulated enough plans and strategies around how to deal with climate change. I don't know, but um, I, I'm not going to take advice from him. No, I'm no, 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 no. I'm not, ta- I'm not taking advice from him either. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying it's a still yeah. a general... It's still no, no, a general I, think, I think it's something that should know? be done. I think, to be honest, I think that there's, there's enough people there to do stuff with that you could probably do something with. Um, I'm, the fact that there's an awful lot of actual cops in the movement there's a whole bunch of landlords in the movement. Yeah. Shows that realists... And also, this is why one of the reasons why the movement is as big as it is, and it's one of the other reasons why the left have been so annoyed with it, Yeah, is that they're, they are, they're not against capitalism. Yeah. They haven't made... They, they... I did see someone say that today, actually. It's, it is, they were likening it to the 90s, like Seattle WTO protests, in that it was an anti-capitalist protest without the anti-capitalism. Yeah, there's, there's no anti-capitalism in it. There's... Yeah. Um, there, there's there's a reason why the world has to have the 2% growth every year. Da, 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 da. Mm. And it's not because of just... Because of a, an apolitical choice. The the being mm. explicitly apolitical has led to a couple of things man- managing to get through. First off, there's been some Malthusian crap about population levels. Yeah, I that fucking needs to be hate that. Sorted out, but yes. obviously... I don't just hate that. It is actively, ethically evil. Like, Yeah, yeah. Um, but... Of course, they're going to be that because they're not targeting the actual cause of climate change, which is capitalism. Yeah. Um, there's been there was like it was today when they were at Parliament Square. They were talking about the things, the dangerous things that are going to be happening, and it was like there's you know the the floods, um, climate disaster, hmm. unchecked immigration. Jesus. Um, it's because when you have like an apolitical movement you're going to have a whole load of... Like, this is what happened with Occupy. When you have an apolitical movement that doesn't have specific... Like, it doesn't have more rules, mm. you're going to have some real dangers in there. And 
That's what like, I bet you there are. There bet you there is an awful lot of landlords. <laughs> there's a there was a lot of um, there's a lot of kind of liberal tropes around it, and I know mm. this is this is this is where the lack of antagonism spreads from is mm. that ultimately they believe they must like it's not a bad idea. There was a, a really great article by um, a guy called Graham Jones. Uh, he was writing on a website called The Ecologist. Mm-hmm. Um, and he studies various protest movements. He studied like uh, Otpor in Serbia that um, overthrew Milosevic, mm-hmm. uh, Solidarity in Poland, uh, things like that. And um, he was talking about like it's not a bad thing to have like radical language expressed in neutral terms, mm-hmm. in terms that are explicable, that are relatable, and that attract people in. But what has happened more often with Extinction Rebellion as it's gotten more followers is that they've used common liberal tropes to describe a kind of... Like, they use, like, Declaration of Independence mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, <coughs> a Declaration of Rebellion, mm-hmm. sorry. Um, you know, and they start kind of quoting liberal philosophers, you know, to describe this... Uh, Restore, restoration of democracy or citizens' assemblies as if these things happen in a world without capitalist power. Yeah. You know, there, there, there doesn't need to be an antagonism, is what they're saying. And it's it's not true. He actually, the, this guy Graham Jones was kind of summed up some of the things he was saying in a, in a thread um, a, a few days ago. And um, he was talking about other things like the Arab Spring, where... Um, their whole idea is to eventually get cops to join them, join them as people, not mm. as uh, like as, institu- tools as, as, as institutional actors. Um, and he he was he was like he, I don't think he drew any conclusions from it, but accepted that it had happened in certain occasions, and certainly, say, appealing to soldiers happened in the 1917 revolution mm. in Russia. Um, it is an element of successful rebellions and revolutions. And I kind of went back and forth on that because on the one hand, the Met and the British state generally, I know it gets a lot of shit, especially around mm. Brexit. I still believe it to be maybe one of the most efficient, uh, like centralised states mm. in the world. Just from its longevity, it mm. has survived and absorbed every challenge <laughs> to its its legitimacy and hegemony for fucking 500 years. Yeah. Uh, through 300 to 500 years, let's say. Yeah. On your thing. But then you kind of go on the other way of like, well, actually, you know, all the other movements kind of did draw, did draw cops in. Are we being too kind of like British centric or Eurocentric in thinking that, are we being too hagiographical hagi- hmm. of the British state in like inver- almost inversely hagiographical yeah. about the British state and pretending like it's not just another human institution. This is nothing to do with the day mm. by day, which is like fucking ridiculous. Yeah. But the actual, the actual kind of strategy of doing that is is interesting. Not that I think actually Extinction Rebellion have have thought about it in those terms because they're no. still thinking about it in, in in liberal terms where there is no there is no antagonism. No. You know. Yeah. It's um. They've got a explicitly business wing as well. Yeah. Which yeah. shows their there was an art. There was a letter to I think the Observer from mm. a load of uh, business business people uh, yeah. saying, "Ah, oh, they're right. We should do something." Well, yeah, because they the well, climate change could cost trillions. It's like our yeah. lives. Yeah, um, it's it's a desire to work within the system. Uh, Loving cops. I'm not going to get over that. It's I know. So I know. Of course, you shouldn't ever get over it's, it. You're you're absolutely so right. Yeah. I'm like, um, also, there's this weird thing, and it, it does, and it's it's pissing off. It must be pissing off more people than it's that it's like it pisses me off a lot. Um, they're getting a real easy time from the cops. Though. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm pretty certain it's because of the relative class and skin tone. Yes, and yeah. of most of the protesters, um, because. If they really wanted to, and it's not because of some hollowing out of the neoliberal state, they would have kettled them. Yeah. They would have kettled them on day one and they would have all been gone within about 10 hours. I think that, but again, they are tactically clever. I think probably kettling them on day one. I think it would have pissed off. I I, I think it it would have. um, It wouldn't have done anything because they're not splitting up at the end of the day and going home. Yeah. They, there was a group of people there. They'd set up like a sound system and they were like doing DJ stuff, which was entertaining for a festival. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but um, but they've got no toilet. So if you put a kettle around uh, yeah. there, they would have. You yeah. would have. Well, they would have done what the kettle, what kettles do. But um, 
I think you probably would have actually but galvanised also, them. If but anything. also, you can't also then let the coppers home at the end of the day. And that is a thing. Mm. That is a thing. You wouldn't have necessarily replaced them. I think they thought they looked at it and thought they didn't need to do that. Mm. That's the only reason they yeah. didn't kettle them. I think well, the thing kettling is it's it's like it's got two reasons for existing. It's one, it's to demoralise you and make sure you don't come out again. Yep. Next off is to protect property, and um, they yep. weren't attacking property. There was those ones down at the shelving, but um, they got decried by the rest of Extinction Rebellion. Yeah, I was very, very much quickly. Like, this it was, was like, oh, maybe it's actually quite good. They're smashing up shell. Awesome. That's what you should do because shell is like the worst. It's like, yes. Oh no, well, we're going to work with our business partners, are we? Interesting. Sponsored by Glaxo Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But um, really, there's like, so they've got a lot of, hmm, there's like, so they're led by, led, I, don't, I think they probably wouldn't say led, but the guy, the main guy is a guy called Roger Hallam. Yeah. He's the one who started it. And Roger Hallam has a PhD um, called How to Get Arrested and Make Friends um, <laughs> with the Castle State. Real easy. <laughs> um, well, I don't know that if that's what it's called. I think he did. A, it's got a PhD about how to win rebellions mm. because he looked into how rebellions work, and the ones that work are the ones where mm. you get. I think it's like three point five percent of the population on side. If you have mass arrests, it always wins. Um, so he's basing okay. it on that. Um, and there's like, he did like a precursor protest in 2017 mm-hmm. um, where a lot of, the, you can see like a lot of similarities. Yeah. And, um, someone, someone who was at that protest um, has done like a nice thing on Twitter. Um, I'll probably post the link in the comment section. Um, in the comment section, in the description of the episode, but um, someone, we should get a comment section. <laughs> there's, there's um someone who was a student um at King's in 2017. Um, Hallam believed that the current fossil fuel society at King's failed to make any progress on divestment. His plan was to get the police and media to take notice. That was the plan to get death, and you know that's the extinction rebellion. Thing. Sure. Um, he graffitied the Strand campus of King's, which is on which is um on the other on the north side of Waterloo Bridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, King's climate protesters vandalised the Great Hall. The cost of cleaning it up was about um, nine grand. Um, then Roger was issued with an emergency suspension, and some of the protesters were arrested. Um, that was their motive. They they did they were aiming to be arrested. He then um, entered the student union building, knowing he'd be dragged out again to get attention. He then took to sleeping outside the Strand on a hunger strike um, until. You know, they got the thing after eight weeks. Of, That's classic protest of conscience, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, after eight weeks, they managed to get them to King's College to agree to divest from fossil fuels by 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, societies from across other British universities have then adopted the tactics, so, you know, all kind of working. Sure. Then he moved on to the Stop Killing Londoners campaign to do with the uh, air pollution. Yeah, sure. Um, um, but what happens is once he leaves a thing, he leaves someone else to, to look after it. Yeah, sure. Um, but it, there's, if you look online, there are a lot of stories about his conduct specifically. Ah. Uh, um, and his relationship with students. Ah. Uh, um, I'm not going to say any more, but there are, there are allegations. Okay. Um, to the point where I wouldn't organise him with him, really. Yeah. Um, but the, there's a level of liberal naivety in general that runs through all of it of mm-hmm. essentially just sitting and thinking that eventually it's like I don't, it's like white privilege for it large oh, it absolutely is yeah and, yeah. and it's, it was it was like it was on Friday when I was going walking through it and the fact that the, they were just friendly with the police they were just smiling <laughs> with them and joking with them. and it was just it it just it's it feels so wrong and it feels like it's gonna not do anything I mean, at, good. At the same time as uh this this like extension rebellion is is trying to be non antagonistic and non violent and non political for whatever that means or is worth, um the government are absolutely ready to set up an antagonism between hmm. the lazy hippies and the good oh, yeah. ordinary decent people who want just want to get to work. Yeah. Um Sajid Javid, I think, came out and said that he wants the police to come down hard on them. Yeah, now everyone the respects him. Business as usual. So, um, uh, Sadiq Khan also said, you've had your fun. That's it, yeah, that's what said. No, uh, he also said, like, we should get back to business as usual. Yeah. And it's, you know, very telling. Um, that is kind of, that's a very much like a neoliberal way of dealing with it as well. Mm. The idea that everybody with their horrible stressed lives, mm. like on demand, minute by minute, must be ready to, you know, 
move in move work or move wherever at a moment's notice um a constantly moving shark that if it stops it drowns and that any obstruction or stoppage to that is the absolute like worst thing that can happen it's yeah. intolerable and it mirrors their idea of the free flow of market prices information yeah. and it's a weird yeah psychological emanation of that um and so like yeah you can see that that aligns that that that's an attempt to kind of build some kind of narrative that unites both bosses and workers because it's not in the boss's interest to end uh, fossil fuel usage and no. to address climate change seriously it will be expensive it will be kind of uh, disruptive um, but it, that, that whole narrative in an attempt to kind of combine the interests of bosses and the bosses and, and the interests of workers in the system they've constructed because it requires that constant flow of labour materials all that kind of thing um, and like I don't know I'm, I'm there's so many dangerous elements of environmentalism as a movement, as it has been. As you mentioned, there's the Malthusian thing, the kind of... But also, like, the, I really hate the, like, the human tragedy. Mm. It's like, ah, oh, man, the only creature who destroys his own environment. Oh, it's so romantic and tragic. It's like, fuck off. Um, and it so often leads into, like, these, like, Garden of Eden, Fall of Man discourses where the... the theorize the deaths of millions and millions of people mm. um the business class despite having a few people on on extinction rebellion side no matter how many of those people they actually get on their side no matter how much they isolate uh people of color immigrants disabled people all the people who cannot participate and are actively repelled by this despite having mm. a very much an interest in this most of the environmental devastation is going to happen in the global south mm. um if if climate change proceeds the way it's going um it's just that the class basis of the power that is causing climate change is petrochemical mm. it's been that that for the past century um they're not just ineptly dodging it they're they're at the at best willfully ignoring it or actively think that they can ride it out yeah. that's why you have you know, increased stuff on borders. That's why you have increased militarization. That's why you have expansion of police powers. That's why you have those big homes that they're building in Kansas. Yeah, that's in why Kansas, you have uh, in media environments that that demonize immigrants. Mm -hmm. um, Extinction Rebellion need to be prepared if they're going to continue and actually, act, excuse me, actually tackle this at its root cause. They need to be prepared for the fact that those with interests in fossil fuel, so basically the entire power structure of the West mm. and beyond, um, will not give them up without a fight or you know some kind of compensation. Mm. Um, it's this huge fight. That's that's why what you're saying about you know not not having police there so closely to very vulnerable groups. Those those vulnerable groups are the ones that that you need to unite across because the world after you've solved climate change doesn't look like this one. No. The state as it exists, our economy as it exists, mm -hmm. housing, infrastructure, transport, food, fucking literally any aspect of our lives that you want to name will not exist as it currently does if we are to solve climate change. Mm -hmm. That's where bringing that kind of like broad spectrum socialist stuff in and 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 uh other groups, that's where bringing that thing in is so important. Mm. You know? Um the world that Extinction Rebellion wants to see does not happen without the, the state and society as we know it ceasing to exist. Mm. You know? Yeah. And like I'd be interested to see what I ideally um, the best situation that we're in now is something of a resurgent left. It has its places within the Labour Party. Uh, a Labour Party that very well may be in power in the not too distant future mm -hmm. you have a bernie sanders presidency who mm -hmm. has a left element in it that, mm. uh, that's as far as i'll go yeah has a left element in it you know ocasio cortez ilan omar uh, people like that um there is a a an element of 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 the left coming back and they've proposed things like the green new deal mm. now it would be interesting to see how much you could absorb maybe not extinction rebellion but certainly a resurgent environmental movement that is 
organ, even if it is organized around like a horizontalist kind of principle around those kind of actions, mm. whether you can bring that in and actually it would be one of the ways of holding, say, labor to account. Because I could see labor knocking off environmental stuff at the whim of, say, the old trade unions. Oh, yeah. To whom no, are I invested think... in the system as it exists and will fight to protect the jobs that will be lost. Oh, yeah, they'll do that thing because they do you it know? about. They do about um, making guns, so they'll do it about yeah. burning coal. Um, yeah, no, I agree. It's a, it's a thing. It's the thing. It's try to separate Extinction Rebellion, the group, from the actual. Some of the actors and some of the and uh, the, goal, theories. the goals. Yeah, like that. That again, I, I I would recommend people read that article by Graham Jones. He says that like. Uh, they would need uh, uh, three things, a structure, a story, and a strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say that their structure is traditionally horizontalist, their story is very, very compelling, mm-hmm. the actual story of what they want to achieve, and their strategies are, well, what we've described. Mm. Yeah. You know? That's the main thing about that non-antagonism. You don't, you're not able to identify your enemies. Well, no. They, they, and the thing is, they won't even say that the politicians are literally their enemies. Mm. They, they just need to convince them. Yeah. The, the, I mean, the thing is, it's a weird thing because in this case, among, uh, among almost no others, they're almost right mm-hmm. in that every single living human being has a huge stake in this. Like, because it's terrifying. I can't, I can't talk about climate change too much because it gets me too freaked out. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone has a stake in this. Unlike, say, I don't know, labour rights, mm-hmm. slavery. <laughs> Yeah. They do not have the same stake yeah. in that as they do in climate change. So yeah. they're almost right. But the idea... And, and, and again, I don't think necessarily every movement has to be openly um, aggressive and antagonistic in all of its dealings with everything. Mm-hmm. However, the slide into liberalism means that you cannot identify your enemies and where they are most effective. Like They've identified where they are most... Uh, vulnerable in terms of optics mm-hmm. and that goes a certain way but I don't think it goes anywhere near you were saying like if they really wanted to stop fossil fuels they could blockade uh, Blackwall Tunnel and um, if you, if Dartford you did, Crossing if for the sake of argument you did Rotherhive, Blackwall Tunnel the Dartford Crossing like the bridge and that tunnel mm. um, that fucks up like that's a big route it's very busy that's like well. the, that's the route to, that's the route to Dover yeah from the north but I mean, you know, there, there there are certain there are certain uses. But also, you're not going to get um, you're not going to get people with their <coughs> mobile phones taking pictures of you when you're um, when you're like standing in front of Blackwall Tunnel. You're like, also it's not horrible around there. You, I mean, you're also not going to get hundreds of people coming past, and therefore yeah. the police can't storm in. Yeah. yeah. No. If you, I, I've been thinking I actually, think, weirdly enough, maybe I, they go for that as well. But well, yeah. I mean, it's it's really interesting actually because over the past few months since climate change has kind of the, the news has got more uh, catastrophic. I've been thinking a lot about Swampy. Mm-hmm. You know that guy who, it yeah. was the Newbury Bypass, yeah. he camped out in the trees. Mm-hmm. And like how, even then, some of the attack lines were everywhere. I mean, I think he was actually on Have I Got News For You. Yeah, he was. Um, and the jokes were always the same. He oh, was this, this smelly hippie and all that thing. And the more I think about it, the more it's like, no one's ever going to admit that he was actually kind of right. Mm. You know, yeah, yeah. and that's not an equivalent. Again, that's not an equivalence with extinction rebellion. Mm. I think it's an entirely different thing. But I think like the the efforts to which they've gone to make it seem more important have succeeded at the expense of they will ultimately have all of the attention focused on them. They you cannot put all of your if you're in concern about the environment, you cannot put and you want to do something, you cannot just put all your eggs in Extinction Rebellion because that's how they get you. Mm. That is how the police will get you and, and they are very, very good. As we mentioned with spy cops and kettling techniques and tactics generally, well, they're very a, good at it. Okay, before the Extinction Rebellion, this this thing started, mm. um, they literally went around the country um, giving talks, trying to drum support yeah. and getting people to I'd... sign their names to form saying that they'd be willing to be arrested. Which I'm not going to say is the actions of an undercover police officer, <laughs> but I'm, not, I'm just saying that that seems like the actions of the police. I wonder how you would. I mean, how would you deal with undercover? I, I think we want to well, talk more about this in the future. But how would you, if you were in an org, mm-hmm. and you knew there was an undercover cop in your group? How? Uh, yeah, or or you you didn't know anybody mm-hmm. that was an undercover cop for certain, but you were like pretty Suspicious. certain. 
It's pretty suspicious. Hmm. How would you act differently, I wonder? I have no idea. Because that was their whole thing. They were ginning up people to... Yeah, be the one who's the take most more into extreme, it. Take more extreme action. Maybe I'm the cop. Oh my God! <laughs> the cop was in the house all along. Jesus! <laughs> I think it's important to do it, to agitate for it. The problem is... Even if they win, then you've still got to do the more extreme work, which is, okay, now we're going to stop climate change, so by the way, we've got to stop capitalism and change society. <laughs> and then they're going to lose most of their members, because most of their members are like pensioners and shit like that, who are going to be, who have, there's lots of people, no, they're not pensioners, but they're people heavily invested in capitalism. Yes. Um, all of but, us are at some at some level. Yeah, but some of us are more willing to give it all, to give it up if we have to. To yeah. well, say if we have to give it up if we have the opportunity to to make the world a better. To place. actually try and reform the exactly. ways that we live. Yeah, exactly. I know the world but is possible. Except the problem is with regards to their relationship with the police. It's important to remember that since 1990, 1700 people have died after coming into contact with the police. Yeah, not the, one prosecution. Yep. Um. That there's you know you've got to think of all the all the babies fathered by spy cops. The um, the people killed. The fact that um, Amber Rudd I saw today was still refusing to meet um, Stephen Lawrence's father with regard to talk about um, him being spied on. What? Yeah, it's, Amber Rudd. Yeah, I think it was Amber Rudd. Oh, so, oh, oh my, as my in back thing. in the yeah, back back, back in like, the yeah, day, or back, well, like, not long ago when she, when she was Home Secretary. Um, but you know, you can be as friendly to the police as you want. They're not going to be that friendly to you. No. So if you go down to it. Be ready. Have a have a good. Have the number of cops, a good solicitor cops, that's, cops, that's, co- yeah. that works with, um, that works with climate change groups. Like cops are not your friend, and at least at the very least have a proper institutional knowledge of who they are in person mm-hmm. and who they are as an institution. Mm. Like, it's it it people just don't don't talk to them. <laughs> like yeah. I'm saying, you yeah, know, just, just don't talk don't to them. Don't tell them a single thing. Yeah, no comment, no comment, no comment. They ask if you have a history of mental illness, say no, and then just go back to no comment, no comment, no comment. Yeah, or don't say anything that you're not under any obligation. Anyway, yeah, this is not a advice podcast. You all know this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, in conclusion, are you saying that don't hate the player, hate the game? <laughs> <laughs> the greatest existential crisis humanity has ever faced. <laughs> And your advice is don't hate the player, hate the game. Yes. <laughs> All right, that's us for this week. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or, or at blueberry.com slash WDTATW. Trying to get off the old iTunes thing because we yeah. started on that. And, uh, and we're on Spotify as well. Blue. And we're on Spotify, yes. Although I can't find us on Spotify, unfortunately. Uh, no. <laughs> um, Blueberry has all of our links. Uh, follow me at BM Bergamo and follow Hugh at Tanner Smashing. Follow us together at WDTATW underscore podcast and we will see you next week. Right. Bye. Thanks.